Hey there, welcome to the Incremental Revival Podcast, where our goal is to help you, our church members, better understand the what and the why behind all we do here at Grace Rancho, so that the Lord might use our maybe seemingly ordinary faithfulness to accomplish His great purposes. I was going to say extraordinary works. You said ordinary and then... I said, didn't I say seemingly ordinary? You said seemingly ordinary, and then I wanted to say extraordinary work. Oh yeah, you know, like our work seems ordinary. His work, and I said his extraordinary, extraordinary purposes. No, you didn't say extraordinary. I just thought that oh. would have been a good word because you're contrasting ordinary versus extraordinary. I couldn't help but agree. Yeah. Okay. You're so convincing. Glad I could persuade you on that, Eric. You preached a sermon, a really good, um, fruitful sermon this past Sunday on Ephesians four eleven to sixteen, honing in on verse 13, 12? 13. 13. And um, kind of giving the church, you could say, perspective on the goals of ministry. Is that fair to say? That was the main point of last Sunday's sermon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't want to say more. I want you to kind of describe maybe in a couple minutes <sighs> a summary of that sermon um, and the emphases there. Yeah, I mean, we started to um, we started the sermon by kind of examining the text really briefly. Um, this is a section where the church is described as a body active with members and leaders all contributing and building and growing, and so it's very important for us as a church and. It, in there, in the middle of this verses, it provides kind of a big overarching goal of ministry, um, which is the unity of the faith, you know, mm -hmm. attaining to the unity of the faith, that's growth and unity around sound doctrine. And then in knowledge of the Son of God, that is intimate familiarity with Jesus. Um, and then third is unto maturity, Christ-likeness, until we reach the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So ultimately, if we could summarize all of that, the main whole point of what we're doing as a church is to become more like Christ, Christ-likeness. Mm -hmm. So I began by kind of examining false goals. Some churches are all about size. They just want to be bigger, and bigger means better. Some churches are all about speed. They want to grow fast, or they want to get more leaders fast, or they want to church plant fast. They want to start rapid growth, viral church movements. Um, I'm sure their motives aren't wrong. They want to see people saved, but um, if that's your main goal, it can be disruptive to how the church ought to function. And then spread. Sometimes the churches evaluate their success or fruitfulness by how broad their reach is. If they have a big platform, if they have a lot of listeners to their sermons or a big um, you know, conference circuit that they go to, or the preachers go to, or people, they host a conference, lots of people come to them. Uh, you know, how big is our reach? Sometimes that's seen rather than really when it comes down to it, the goal of it all is the Christ likeness of the members of the church. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to focus on that and remind our people of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's really important that we orient ourselves toward the same goal or else we're going to miss it. And that's the target that's yep. couched within 
we could say the broader mission of the church, which is to make disciples, mm-hmm. right? Which includes evangelism, right? The, the initial making of a disciple, but making disciples, as that passage tells us, also includes, we could say, like you're saying, maturing disciples, teaching them all that Christ has commanded them and helping them to follow Christ and be a learner of Christ all the more. Yeah. And so Ephesians 4, 11, 16 is a critical passage, you're saying. This is a passage we need to understand if we're going to be a church that's faithful. All cra- all passages in the Bible are true. All of them yes. are helpful and relevant uh, for us to know God and to know his will and to live for him. But this one is just specifically about kind of the culture of the church. And so it's relevant for us to understand what is probably not a well-understood print, like well-understood in our day when churches really, um, you know, many churches just kind of doing what is right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. It, it's really great to study this passage in depth and see what does God say about how the church should function, its goals and its methods and all that stuff, strategy. Good. It's all there. And all of this you're calling biblical church growth. Yeah. A series within Ephesians. We're kind of titling looking at these biblical church growth, which is kind of funny because sometimes when you think of church growth, you think of the other things you've already mentioned. Yeah, size, you think spread of and- size and get bigger, reach more people. And what you're saying is biblical church growth, growing into something. Christ-likeness. With a focus on something. And in, spiritual growth. If you grow in Christ-likeness, like if I become more like Jesus, I will tell his truth to other people more faithfully, mm-hmm. including my neighbors. Jesus came and he was a preacher. He preached, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He shared the good news of the kingdom wherever he went. He confronted people in their sin. He comforted sinners with the grace of God. So if I'm more like him, I'm more evangelistic. Mm -hmm. And if I'm more evangelistic, more people hear the gospel. If more people hear the gospel, more opportunity to follow up and disciple them. If I'm following up and discipling them, the church will grow in number. So it's not like, we don't care about growth in number. We yep. just have to put it in its proper place. First, let's become Christ-like. And out of the overflow of our character, we we share Christ and we, we help uh, them grow into Christ. Good. Now, so, let me just say something, Michael. Mm-hmm. You and I were here five years ago. We were. And in a church of 30 people, when we're talking about like every member ministry, it's easy for us all to really feel the weight of that idea it's like there's 30 people here and if we don't do the ministry no one's doing it yep and we don't grow i'm going back to see me and you're going back to orange <laughs> if we don't have if they'll have us back <laughs> yeah if we don't have a ministry here we're going home it's true um and so it it felt like we early on had to talk a lot about this all hands on deck everybody's a part of it and as we even developed our membership class, we mm-hmm. developed a whole thing on every member ministry. Yep. Trying to take the principles here and just infuse them into the life of the church. So as the church grows and there's more and more people coming that don't have this concept of church, it's all the more important to make sure we're casting that biblical vision and helping them to see what biblical church should be and how God calls all of us who have been saved, who have been gifted by Christ, 
to be uh, enthusiastically engaged in the in the ministry. Yeah. So hopeful that this series helps continue to build that culture of discipleship. Amen. And we've talked about our ministry philosophy. We have an episode maybe five or ten ago called "On Ministry Philosophy," and this verse gives. Um, I mean, when you mentioned the membership class, you think about it. This is a lot of what we describe um, in our membership class about the church ought to be. And so um, there's some essential elements we could say um, for a healthy church found in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Eric, why don't you walk us through those starting at the beginning of the passage? So the first thing he's talking about after he mentions the oneness of the church and spiritual gifts that each member has is leaders. He says, and he gave, so he gave uh, the prophets or the apostles and prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the, or sorry, I just said that wrong. I looked away to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not to do the work of ministry. Yes. So the leaders have a very clear role to play that I feel like this, this verse kind of cascades from one principle to the next, into the next, into the next. Absolutely. So it starts with these leaders that Jesus gives to the church. They equip the saints, the saints build up the body of Christ. The body of Christ grows as the body of Christ is growing. All the members are doing ministry together. Then it continues to grow, And it's almost cyclical as it continues to grow. more leaders develop, more leaders are equipping the saints, more you know, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, but it starts with the gift of leaders. Yeah. First of all, there's apostles and prophets who really got the ball rolling in the first century, the ones that laid the foundation of the church. These are not offices in, that are still in existence today, but it all began with those leaders. Mm-hmm. And then after the last apostle died off, we had the church now being led by qualified uh, leaders who are. And he kind of separates them into two categories here. Evangelists, those who are uh, gifted in sharing the gospel with those who don't understand it yet. Mm-hmm. And shepherds and teachers. I think shepherd teacher is maybe one office or one role. That, that, that idea of shepherding and teaching is meant yeah. to be together rather than there's shepherds and then there's also teachers. Anyway, now the church in our age is being led by evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Um, what do they do? They are to be qualified men who teach the church evangelists eagerly getting outside people in through the gospel shepherds and teachers eagerly investing in those people who are Mm -hmm. in to help them grow into maturity in Christ. If the leaders don't do that job, none of the rest will happen. Yeah. So, you know, the saying everything rises or falls on leadership, I think is there's an element of, uh, that's true in the church. Yeah. If you have unqualified leaders, if you have leaders that are doing the wrong thing, you have leaders that are leading in the wrong direction, you have leaders that are doing a lot of other good, but they're not equipping the saints for the work of ministry, you you don't have you won't have a healthy church. Yes, and amen. And so that first building block, that element, qualified leaders. So that would mean pray, because where do these leaders come from? We're willing from within. From within, according to the text. From the Lord. From the Lord. Yep. So he gave. So we pray that from among us, God would raise up more leaders like this. In particular, we think of pastors, a.k.a. elders, right? 
And this passage would tell us that those kinds of men are gifts to the church. Yeah. Christ gives them. Christ is ruling the church. He's the head of the church. He has all authority over it. And then he, by his spirit, is implanting a desire and shaping character and giving and empowering abilities so that those men are able to be identified and then to serve in leadership roles. So it starts there. Moves on. Mm -hmm. Not just qualified leaders, but you've already mentioned what those leaders do. Leaders who equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. You've kind of generally explained that. Is there anything more you'd want to say before we talk about the implications for our church? I mean, it's, yeah. So leaders, it really does shape the way leaders do ministry is it's not about them doing it all. Like the pastor who does all the counseling is probably going to be pretty bottlenecked on how much counseling he can do. Right. The pastor who does all the discipleship, the pastor who does all the preaching. Rather, the leaders given to the church should, yeah, they should do counseling. They should also equip other counselors. Yeah, they should disciple. They should equip other to, others to disciple. Yes, they should preach. They should equip others to preach. Mm-hmm. So they are equippers, um, not merely doers of the ministry. So what that means for them is ministry is really personal. It's getting to know individuals. It's getting to know their giftedness. It's helping them to see where they fit. And it's something that you can't mass produce on a large scale by creating very slick and efficient programs. Yeah. And so we often talk about how ministry work is people work. Yeah. When we talk about equipping the saints for the work of ministry and we're talking to an individual and we're saying, we want to equip you or do a membership class. We're saying our role is to help you do this. It's to help you disciple people. Yeah. Not, not necessarily to help you stack chairs or volunteer or put in sweat equity. No, we're ultimately trying to train you and gear you and help your thinking be towards in support of, including those service acts, discipling people. Yeah. So that means uh, just some implications. Like we said, people over program. Mm-hmm. Um, if a program is, has become this giant King Kong monster of a, uh, of a program where it's demanding so much manpower, so many hours, so many people to volunteer to the degree that the people are all being burnt out who are trying to keep this program up and running. That's not a program we want to continue to do. Yeah. Particularly if the, the fruit is spurious, we mm-hmm. want to make sure that the things we're investing in are producing fruit and the fruit would be, how do you, how do you evaluate fruit? Are the, are, are Christians being equipped to do ministry? Well, how do you know that? Are they doing it? Yeah. Are more people rising up to the call to do ministry? And again, like you already just clarified, not just stack and chairs ministry. They're speaking to each other, the truth of God in the power of the spirit to build each other up. Is that happening more and more? Yeah. That's a good measuring rod if, if we're growing. Sort of like that classic illustration. This might break down. This might go horribly this is off the cuff Ooh, let's let's i'm excited the classic illustration of you know you can either just give a hungry man fish over and over and over again okay. or you can teach him how to fish or you can take the horse to water that too but you can't teach him how to fish take the horse <laughs> yeah i've yeah. never heard take the horse to water but you can't teach him how to fish yeah, i might be mixing metaphors i don't know is this a joke that i'm not picking up on <laughs> did i say something funny what are you saying? Take the horse to water, but you can't teach him how to fish? 
I thought I thought you might pick up on the fact that I use two well-known sayings and then mix them together so that they don't make sense. I don't sense. know the take the horse to water one. I'm not. It's like you could teach a man. Culture. You could give a man a fish or you can teach him to fish. Yeah. You can take, take a horse to water, but you can't um, make him drink. Oh, okay. Like, all I can do is take you to water. I can't force you to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, that I was, understand uh, now. Sorry. You, <laughs> like I was the track with you. This is a good moment. People will enjoy this, right? This is what you come for. <laughs> No, let's get back to what you come for. This idea. I think people in the congregation might have laughed if I said that in a sermon. They probably would have. But you would and have I would have, and I would have written something in my notes like made no sense <laughs> to tell you later. <laughs> what did he mean by that? And we would have had this conversation offline. All right, but we're let's online. Go. Okay, the idea behind that though, sometimes it's easier to just give the guy the fish you already have. Right? Yeah. It's just like, hey, I've already got an abundance of fish. Here's the fish. Here's the fish. Just keep coming back every day for the fish and you'll just be fed and you'll be fine. And soon right? enough, if you give a good fish, you got tons of people coming for you for fish and the line is out the door. And what I want to point out here is that when you have to stop to teach somebody something and equip them for ministry, it takes a minute, right? Yeah. Like maybe especially if they're young in the faith, right? Like I think of my son, Ezra. He's young. You can think of spiritual babies, preschoolers like yeah. he is. And he didn't have a really hard time getting bait on the hook without poking himself. And he's going to have maybe even a hard time reeling it in and keeping it and cleaning the fish. So let's use so the like, fish metaphor and say, let's imagine you are the fish master. Like you catch fish. farther than I thought. And you're just, well, every day you're catching many fish. And so people want to get fed to the fish and they come to you. And there's a line at the door saying, mm-hmm. Michael's the fish man. Let's get some fish. And suddenly like I hope people start there's to call me that. so many people that they have to wait so long and all of them are dependent on you uh-huh. so what you do is the fish start to spoil yeah. <laughs> i can't get rid of them quick enough right so you're like i got i gotta do something and you find another guy who has some fish potential you're like he could be a fish man too we're gonna start <laughs> talking about things this right now <laughs> and so you teach him how to debate the hook and to uh-huh. cast the line and guess what people are starting to go Hey, I thought like, I want my fish now. Why would you take it so long? Well, I, I yep. got to train this other guy. Pretty but, soon we can provide twice as many fish. Yeah. Suddenly you're doing actually more, but if all you're doing is handing out fish, you're slowing the whole line down. Now, if now, the goal would if be we've totally lost you, 20 guys fishing. If we totally lost you, this is the real world example that I was trying to point out. And we just did a deep dive into it is you have to pause and almost stop doing so much yourself as a leader in the church sometimes to multiply and maximize the effect of faithful, mature Christians helping other Christians and even those you know, teenage Christians and those baby Christians, even helping others and teaching them what that looks like and how that feels and, and, and how to go to the word and help people and train them and provide godly counsel to them. You have to pause and yeah. slow down if you're going to do that. And it feels like you're doing less at first. But in fact, in the long run, you are both making the ministry less dependent on yourself. Praise the Lord. So this thing can keep running someday when mm-hmm. the pastor or the elders die. of a certain generation are not here. And yeah, they might die. We will die. And save the Lord coming. and um, Which we hope happens soon. We absolutely do. I affirm that. And... You have to pause for a moment. It feels like you slow down. And eventually though, what happens is, is you can, you can keep training and train others to train. And you're actually technically doing quote less of that, like handing out the fish thing, but you're still doing a lot of it. 
but there's even more of it happening because yeah. there's more people trained to do it and do this ministry and invest in people. And so it takes time and it feels counterintuitive when you are under the pressure of it all, but it is how God intends for it to be. And it is ultimately fruitful and faithful. That is why we're doing training here. Yeah, like we, we could, there's a lot of ministry to be done and we could really try to do it. I mean, we'd kill ourselves at this point, but we could try, but to pause, like I have pulled myself out of the normal growth group thing. Like my kids really wish they could be in a growth group, but what Nash and I have decided and what I think is wise and what the elders have decided is wise is that since my role as a leader has to be to equip the saints to do ministry themselves, training year is, is about that. Like tra- the whole reason we do training year is basically I'm, I'm not going to be as hands-on with the growth group type ministry to the, nor- to the local church in that way. Although we could do that in the future if we wanted to, there's nothing wrong with it, but for, to be able to focus on equipping others to do the work of ministry. So the ministry expands. That's what training year is, is wanting to encourage and equip and send these guys to bless the church. Absolutely. And so we patiently take time to do that, seeing a so maximizing effect in it. We're all fishing. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. fishing. You're fishing. Alex is fishing. Jim is fishing. David is fishing. Felix is fishing. Angelo and Steven are fishing. Zarai and, is fishing. And Lord willing, we're all fishing. Their wives are fishing. Their yeah. kids begin to fish, right? And yeah. there's this multiplying effect to all of it. They're not coming to ask you and I and the elders for fish every day. And we're not even trying to be pragmatic about it. We're saying pragmatically, there's a huge effect here if we do this faithfully, but it's not why we're doing it. We see that it's the Lord's plan for ministry effectiveness. Yeah, the Lord is wise. The Lord, like, the Lord arranged the church to work well. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense. It and so, yeah, you see it in scripture, and then you actually start to do it, and you go, "Wow, the Lord is wiser than absolute wisdom of men." So, there's some of those first elements. Next, we would see that we talked about the target of ministry, the whole ministry, and the church as a whole is mature Christians. Mature Christ likeness, so that God is glorified in the lives of the church. Um, so yeah, like that is another good metric. Are people growing? Mm-hmm. Are they loving the Lord more? Are they praying more? Are they more dependent? How do they do in trials? In fact, if the, the passage includes um, what we could call kind of some measuring marks when it describes what will happen if we don't uh, equip the saints mm. and if the body is not growing, if we're not attaining Christ-likeness. And he, so this idea is that, that there should be a growth culture. There should be a culture of discipleship where people are growing into holiness and Christ-likeness. Absolutely. But Paul then also says there's some things that will happen if, if this is not. Mm-hmm. He says so that we uh, won't um, – be tossed to and fro or no. So it won't be children Mm -hmm. and tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human craftiness and cunning and deceitful schemes. And so he wants us 
to to realize there's a lot of danger for not going growing into the right direction. Mm-hmm. We'll be immature. We'll be unstable. We'll be gullible, and we'll be vulnerable. Ultimately, mm-hmm. is vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy and to the temptations of the world. Um, and so one way we evaluate are we growing is how stable are we? Are we acting with, uh, like mature Christ-like believers? How do we do with false ideologies that come our way? Are we easily gullible and mm-hmm. brought to believe things that are off and not true? Do we engage in and watch and read uh, material and content that is either you know heterodox or heresy or unhelpful worldly ideas? Are we captive by that stuff? Um, so it gives us not only the goal, Christ-likeness, but also the idea that we need to grow out of certain things. And so there's some metrics to look at uh, to evaluate if we're doing that. Absolutely. There's just an important, por- an important point. I almost got those words twisted. An important point in all of this that this is part of the Philippians 1, 6 reality that he who began a good work in you intends to bring it to completion, will bring it to completion. He doesn't yes. just intend to, he's going to. On our own, it's like by our own strength, we can't mature Christians. This right. happens through God's word, through the power of the gospel, the spirit at work in their lives, and us depending on the spirit's power to fuel our ministry. And in the context of the local church. Absolutely. And that's how he wants it to be. And so... In the context of a local church, as we're seeking to mature Christians together, and as you are talking about this church that has a culture of growth, meaning people don't stay spiritual Christian babies forever, right? They grow into the fullness of the stature, right? Is that what he calls it? Stature of the the measure of the stature of That's the fullness right. of Christ. The, the measure. I missed a word. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Unpack that statement. Um, as part of this, everyone like kind of this fifth element is that all people in the church are committed to the ministry of the word in some sense. Yeah. Not that they're all preachers up front, but that they minister the word to each other and, and the word is going back and forth and moving around and working in hearts and is passed from you to me. Yeah. I think this might be the most radical idea that is, maybe people don't push back on it like and articulate their disagreement. But I do think it's one of the most difficult thing for things for people who have not been accustomed to think this way for them to really hear. No, you. Yes, you. Yes, you, Christian. You. Yeah, you who have only ever worked in the sound booth. Mm-hmm. Yes, you who have only ever done nursery. Yes, you who have only ever stacked chairs. You are called by the word of God to speak, speak, speak. Use your vocal cords to speak the truth in love so that the church is built up Mm -hmm. every member doing that in fact i would argue that when he says that the leaders are to equip the saints for the work of ministry what's the ministry the ministry is that everyone's speaking truth to each other Mm -hmm. that's ministry in the power of the spirit through prayer speaking truth and one person at a time one conversation that's, that's verse 15 there. Speak yeah. the truth in love. The, as everybody does that, we are growing imperceptibly in subtle ways. Incrementally, God is bringing forth 
revival and growth by his grace, but, but yes, you, the one who never has thought he needed to have a spoken word ministry, the, everybody does. It's not all the same. And in fact, every single ministry is different, but you are called to verbal gospel ministry, proclamation, truth, speaking, encouragement, using your words like bricks to build up the church. Smack each other. No. Yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> not a brick over the head. Don't do we that. Can, we can not to use To build that each other up together. Using words like a fisherman. No, I, don't, I couldn't. I don't know. Yeah, we should drop that one. Yeah. But here's the point. Bricks and mortar being put together, the word of God and the spirit working through it, joining us together. Okay. Spirit is the mortar in that analogy. Um, so, yeah, we... We are hoping to see growth and change, but the the change doesn't happen with the big stuff. It happens with you, Christian, recognizing how significant your role to play is. You are gifted. Mm-hmm. You've been made one with Christ and his church. You are called to be equipped by the leaders of the church and to do ministry. And that ministry is to build others up by speaking to them, by speaking the truth to them, by speaking the truth in love to them. That's Ephesians 4.15. Amen to that. Shapes so, everything we do. That's so critical for our philosophy of ministry. And so if you don't know where to start, I said, I got to minister the word to people. What do I, um, what do I do? Um, ask a leader in the church. How Can you help me understand how I might grow in word ministry? A- ask your fellow Whoa! brothers and sisters who have, what a sneeze. Excuse me. <laughs> that was a big blip on the radar. Um, uh, ask your your brother or sister who has invested in you with the word, hey, how can I start to do this with others? And, and they might be able to help you with that and seek to continually grow in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, be reading your Bible, be meditating on it. Uh, I like what our friend Harry Walls likes to say. You're, when you read scripture, you got to be getting some fresh bread. He, the idea that like you're being fed by the word of God and he feeds you with fresh um, nourishment every day as you as you study it, and that fresh bread He's given to you to to feed on and to be to grow by. You know, you can share that bread with others. Absolutely. You know, what is the Lord teaching you? Talk about that with someone. Mm. Um, meditate on something, get something out of it, and share it with someone. And you will begin to have a, a verbal gospel ministry, which is what you're supposed to have here. Amen. Let's pray for that and that through these things the Lord gives to us, he would continue to build his church. That's right. See you next time.